So I wonder how many people in this room are old enough that uh, you remember what life was like before the internet. <laughs> Couple of us, right? But a lot of people in this room, you've only known the internet all your life. It's just been part of your life. And with the internet comes this phenomenon known as social media, right? And uh, how many people are on Facebook? Yep. How many people have some sort of social media account? Most people do, right? Or you're familiar with it. If you're on Facebook, you have a certain number of friends, right? And I know if you're uh, under 21, you're going, Facebook is for my parents. My parents are on Facebook. But you have Snapchat, Instagram, all these things where you can know a lot about somebody. You can know where they're eating, a picture of what they're eating. Uh, you know, whatever, they see family pictures, etc. I mean, it's a f- crazy thing. But the point is, you can know a lot about somebody without really knowing them. You can know a lot about people without really knowing who they are and what really makes them tick. Today, we're going to talk about what a real friendship looks like. And we're in this series, The Life of David. And, you know, I love David. I can relate to David. David has... And you study his life, lots of highlights of David's life. Last week, talking about David, you know, killing Goliath. That was a highlight in his life. But David also had some serious low points in his life. And he's, we're told in the book of Acts and by God himself in 1 Samuel 16 that David was a man after God's own heart. God said that about David before David had even failed. He knew David was going to have all these failures as, as, well, as well as his success. But he called him a man after his own heart. I love that. Um, if you're brand new to, to today or you haven't been around for a while, we're in a, a reading plan that you can go to the app or go online where we're going through beginning in 1 Samuel 16 through the end of 2 Samuel, and read all about the life of David, basically a chapter a day. So it's not too late to get started on that because this series goes beyond 30 days. I want to encourage you to do that. If you don't know much about David or you want to be refreshed about his life, I think you'll find that helpful. David was an amazing man. I mean, he, God promised him that there would be a king on his throne forever, which was a prophetic word about Jesus. That ultimately, Jesus, being in the lineage of David, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So one of the highlights of David's life is his friendship with this guy named Jonathan. And we're going to talk about that today. Before we dig into that, I want to kind of prime the pump a little bit by, by telling you there are three types of friendships. There's three types of friendships. There's acquaintances, there's close friends, and there's intimate. Do you have acquaintances? You know, those are people who you know their name. They maybe know your name. You know a face, but you don't really know them. Then there's close friends. Close friends, um, you know, you do life together. You spend time together. You want to spend time together. Intimate friends, here's the deal with intimate friends. Intimate friends know everything about you, and they love you anyway, right? <laughs> They know all your stuff, and they still love and respect you. That's when you know you've moved into that intimate relationship, that intimate friendship with somebody. We were created for friendship. If you look at the the Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, live in 
perfect friendship from eternity past to eternity future. And they have this perfect relationship. When you look at Adam, when in being cre- the first created human being in the garden, he had a perfect relationship with God. There was no sin barrier to taint his relationship with God. And yet God told him that it, that it said that it's not good that he be alone. And so he creates Eve to be his companion, to be his friend. And it shows our need of friendships, that we were created for that. Jesus ultimately models our need of friendships. Jesus is 100% God. And in his 100% Godness, what we celebrate at Christmas, the incarnation, he took on humanity, he took on flesh. He's also 100% human, just like you and I are. And in his humanness, he needed friends. He had 70 at least acquaintances that he sent out to go do ministry. He had 12 that he chose to be his close friends that would walk with him for three years and and do ministry with. But he even had three intimate friends in Peter, James, and John. They were his real close, tight group there. So what we're going to dig out of this, 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 the stories about Jonathan and David that are recorded for us in, in 1 Samuel is five building blocks for true friendships. As I was studying, I saw these five building blocks that are needed to have a true, intimate, deep friendship. The first one I want you to write down is the word commitment. Friendship begins with commitment. It says in in 1 Samuel 18... It says, when David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan was bound to David in close friendship and loved him as much as he loved himself. Saul kept David with him from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as himself. Then Jonathan removed the robe he was wearing and he gave it to David along with his tunic, his sword, his bow. In his belt. Jonathan is the son of King Saul. Let's remember that. Saul is the first king. David is not king yet. And Jonathan, his son, makes this commitment to David. I find that amazing. And he he was the rightful heir to the throne, you know. I mean, he wasn't jealous though of David. And he loved him as himself. And he made a commitment to take care of him and to be a true friend to him. I find that awesome. I want to be like that. Here's what I dig out from that for us, is instead of saying, I want friends, be the friend you need to be to somebody else first. Then you'll find yourself in a real friendship. Sometimes we wait for friendships to find us, but really go be the friend that you need for yourself to somebody. Start there says in Proverbs 18, verse 24, the beginning part, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, right? You, you initiate it. After David had killed Goliath, what we talked about last week, after he had killed Goliath, he, he became a big deal. Like David was the bomb, right? He had slayed this massive giant who was calling out Israel, and he brings him down. And so King's King Saul, Jonathan's dad, he became very jealous of David's success. 
He immediately began to be jealous and worried about, are people going to love David more than they love me? Saul had a huge pride problem. We all do. There's a little bit of Saul in all of us. And we want to be careful to have that eradicated from our hearts. And then Jonathan makes this commitment to David. He could see this coming, and he makes this commitment to him. But Saul wanted David to go to ruins. And so at this point, he's not threatening to kill him. He does this very strange thing. He offers his daughter, Michael, in marriage to David. And you say, that sounds like a nice thing. No, she was a piece of work, man. She was a handful. It says in the text that he was going to give her to be his wife and to be a snare to him, the scriptures say, to be a snare to him. So he didn't have good intentions in this. Then he makes this crazy uh, offer to David. He says, I'll offer Michael to you. And she loved David, it says in, in the text. And he says, but first what you have to do is you have to go get me a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, meaning you would kill them and proof that you killed them, right? So David goes and he not only kills a hundred, he brings back 200 foreskins. I'm not sure what he carried those in, right? Yeah, like a Ziploc bag or put them in his pocket. I don't know. But the Bible's a trip sometimes when you read it. I'm telling you, you hear that and you go, what's a foreskin? Anyway, um, not sure how he carried those. That's what I was thinking there. But Saul gets even more jealous. Bringing back, killing 200 versus 100 really, really frustrated him and sent him off the deep end. And here, here's what I read about his jealousy for you and I, if you can't celebrate the success of somebody else or you can't stand it when somebody's praised or preferred before you, God's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get your attention and work humility into your life and eradicate the poison of pride. I think Jonathan is such a great example of that in his you know, he could have been proud too. He could have been jealous, but instead he saw God's call on his life. He saw God's power working in his life, and he said, I'm going to love God by making a commitment to David and be a good friend to him. Second thing I, I, we read about in, you know, the, the story of Jonathan and David that is another building block of true friendship is the word support. Saul gets this plot to kill David, and he actually asks Jonathan and some of his men to go kill David. Well, Jonathan goes to David, and he said, listen, my dad has this plan to, to kill you. Why don't you go into hiding for a little bit? Go into hiding, and then I'll send word when it's time for you to come back. Well, when David's in, in, in hiding, it ends up... Uh, Jonathan t telling him, giving him that support, having his back, watching out for him, looking out for David's life. You know what he did? He showed up for him. To give support to somebody as a true friend, sometimes you just show up, right? You're inconvenienced possibly too, but you show up to be a true friend. I know for me, I remember who's, who's been there for me in my trial. So do you. You remember who showed up when you were in difficult times, when you crisis happened in your life. It says in uh, Proverbs 18, 24, the second part, there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. 
That's what Jonathan was for, for David. He was a, fr a friend who stayed closer than a brother. Before, uh, before I met my wife, Janelle, I remember this, my, my 40th birthday, like it was yesterday. I was turning 40, and the Rockies were in the playoffs, right? And so it's my 40th birthday. I'm getting ready to watch the Rockies game. It's going to be a late game. It was going to start at like almost 9 o'clock at night. So I had my girls with me, but they were already in bed, and they weren't too interested in watching the Rockies play. And all of a sudden, I had this feeling come over me that I was pretty lonely. I mean, I'm all alone. Just could be celebrating my birthday in the Rockies with somebody, and I'm all alone. All of a sudden, after I had that feeling, there was a knock on the door. And I opened the door, and one of my close friends said, hey, I'm here to celebrate with you. So we sat down, and all of a sudden, one by one, about eight to ten of my close friends showed up to celebrate my birthday with me. When, you know, I was at a low, low, low point. I'll never forget it. Moved, moved my heart. It still moves me, obviously, to tell that story. You remember who shows up. David showed up. I mean, Jonathan showed up for David. Third word I want you to write down, that's a building block for true friendship, is encouragement encouragement. To be a true friend, you're, you start with a commitment, you give support, and then you give encouragement. In chapter 20, David's on the run again, and he's discouraged, and so he goes into hiding, but then he goes and finds Jonathan. He says, your dad's trying to kill me. What have I ever done? Why does he want to do this to me? And Jonathan encourages him, and he says, listen, surely you're not going to die. All, I have your back. I'm going to encourage you to, to not be afraid, David. And then when we, you go over to chapter 23, it says that, again, David's on the run. That this, the story of Samuel, as you read it on your own, is David's on the run from Saul for a long time. And we think to ourselves, why wouldn't he just kill him? He killed Goliath. Why doesn't he just kill this guy that's out to get him? Well, David would never do that to the king. He, he, he had a conviction that to, to, to kill Saul would be an offense to the Lord. That's how he, much of integrity that he had. And it says in, in uh, 1 Samuel 23, verse 16, that he said, it says that he encouraged him in the Lord or he helped David find strength in the Lord. That's the best kind of encouragement. When you help somebody find strength in the Lord, when you remind somebody when they're down of the promises of God, you remind them of who they are in God, and you pray for one another, that's the greatest encouragement. And it's not cliches that you're offering. When you're offering somebody the truth, that's good encouragement. It says in uh, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a difficult time. Jonathan was born to be a friend to David in his difficult times. Jonathan had so much impact on David and helped shape his life that when he would be king, he was a different person. I want to be that kind of friend to people that I help influence their life to serve God and be a person after God's own heart. Encouragement is a spiritual gift. We see it in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Paul lists it, lists it as a spiritual gift in the ministry gift section. It's important that we understand that and that we excel 
that encouragement. Don't we live in a discouraging world sometimes? It's painful, it's brutal, the stress and disappointments that people go through. That's always a reminder, guys, that this isn't heaven. We're not there yet. Heaven is going to be a place with no sorrow, no sin, no suffering, but we're not there yet. So we need to encourage one another. If you looked around this room, we're all carrying all kinds of burdens. We don't talk about it. We walk in and put our church face on, and somebody says, how are you doing? And I'm fine, and you're not fine. It's, we're, just, we're easy to get discouraged. Some, sometimes people are honest and say, do you really want to know how I'm doing? You know, how much time do you got? Um, there was a, when I was thinking about this, there was a, a guy named Pee Wee Reese. He played second base for the Brooklyn Dodgers. When Jackie Robinson broke the, the color barrier, he, he became the first African-American to play in the, the major leagues. And I, I have a picture, actually. That, that's my grandpa lighting Pee Wee Reese's cigar. My grandfather was a huge baseball fan and passed it to my dad and to me, and it's just in the blood. So he's lighting his cigar. So that's Pee Wee. Pee Wee was a country boy from Louisville, Kentucky. And he, uh, he stood up for Jackie. He really did. When Jackie would go from even his teammates and other cities and the fans would call him all kinds of names and just brutally pound on him. And it wore on him. There was a movie that was made uh, not too long ago about his life called 42. And I just want to show you a clip of how Pee Wee Reese encouraged Jackie for us to take cue of it. They can say all they want. We're just here to play ball. It's just a bunch of crackpots still fighting the Civil War. Well, hell, we'd have won that son of a gun if the corn stalks would have held out. We just ran out of ammunition. Better luck next time, Pee Wee. Ain't gonna be a next time, Jackie. All we got right here. Thank you, Jackie. What are you thanking me for? I got family up there from Louisville. I need them to know. I need them to know who I am. Hey, number one! You playing ball or socializing? Playing ball, huh? Playing ball. Maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42. That way they won't tell us apart. That's awesome, huh? He encouraged him. So commitment, support, encouragement, building blocks of true friendship. The next one I want to give you is the word depth. Is a building block of true, intimate, close friendship is depth. And I know I'm giving you a drive-by highlight reel of this friendship between Jonathan and David, and I really encourage you to read it for yourself. You, you can't preach through, you know, 20 chapters on a one half hour on a Sunday morning. So read it for yourself. But what continues in the story is you see towards at the end of 1 Samuel, the last chapter, Saul and Jonathan die in battle. Saul sees Jonathan killed in battle, and then he falls on his own sword. And when jo David gets word 
that Jonathan had died, that's in chapter 1 of 2 Samuel, he grieves. He grieves brutally. And as he is lamenting, he says this. He says, how the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. Here's what he says. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. You may think to yourself as a married couple, what does he mean there? Um, I, I love my spouse. Isn't that a different kind of love? I kind of feel like I had a little revelation about what friendship means in every type of relationship, whether it's marriage, whether it's you know, siblings or, or friendship or whatever it is, that the heart of any great relationship is a true friendship, is these building blocks. That's what makes it great. And so as David grieves, I think he's showing us something about this. Because if you remember, David didn't have a great marriage, right? You, know, you read about it, Michael was, she's a tough cookie. And so he hadn't experienced that type of friendship within his, his marriage yet. But here's, here's a couple of truths about this. Um, you can tell how deep a friendship is when it's taken away. In this example, it's taken away by death, and he grieves deeply. Sometimes we have friends that have to move away because of jobs or careers or, or whatever, and when you grieve the loss of that friendship, it shows that you really care. It shows that there was depth to your relationship, to your friendship. Prayerfully, it would never happen over conflict, but sadly it does happen. And when we grieve the loss of those friends, it shows that, that there were some deep roots that were there in that, that friendship. A friendship is not a friendship until it's tested. It's tested by first conflict. Like if you have a friend that you've never had any kind of conflict with or you, you haven't had to overlook a fault or a mistake or whatever that they've done, your friendship hasn't really been tested yet. When you have to forgive somebody or ask for forgiveness, that's, that's tested. It's battle-tested friendship. Um, if you see somebody at their worst, their worst behavior, and you're still their friend and you still honor them and you walk with them through their, their struggle, their sin, that's true friendship. That's friendship with depth. Depth um, is loyalty, it's vulnerability, it's authenticity. I heard a guy say one time about intimacy. He said, uh, intimacy is taking your heart and opening it up and saying, into me see. Like, see my struggles, see my fears, see my pain. It's being vulnerable and authentic about what's going on inside our lives. When you can do that with somebody, you have put that building block of depth in that friendship, the mark of true friendship. So I come back to the, to the marriage thing. If you want to be married one day, make sure you marry your best friend and, and pursue becoming best friends as well. That's so key in a marriage. Marriage is, is not about being business partners, right? Marriage is about companionship a lifelong commitment of companionship to one another. So you got to learn to like one another, right? You got to learn to do life together and to be friends and to build it on that friendship. 
Again, I think David said what he said about Jonathan because he experienced what's at the heart of every true relationship, marriage, parenting, anything becomes friendship. Now that my kids are older and, you know, grown and out of high school, it's fun being their friend as well and being, you know, having adult type conversations and it's fun to walk with them through this season of life, look forward to what, what's to come. But in your, in your marriage, if you are married, pursue that. Because at the end of the day, kids are going to come and go. At the end of the day, it's just going to be the two of you. And some of you are going, uh-oh. <laughs> I know people do that. Like, well, what do you mean? It's just going to be. It is. So whatever season you are in your marriage, pursue friendship. Pursue friendship. The last building block is Jesus. If you are going to pursue true friendship, have intimate friends, close friends, it's Jesus. Jesus, we're told in the New Testament, is the friend of sinners. How many are glad of that? (laughs) He's the friend of sinners. You know the friend of sinners? He's committed to us. The friend of sinners, he supports us. The friend of sinners encourages us. We have depth with him. He knows everything about you and loves you (laughs) anyway. He knows our struggles, our frailty, all of our stuff, and and he loves us. Jesus is all we need in a friend, and we need to learn to model that and become that for others. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, he said, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. That had to be music to their ears. The king of kings is saying, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And guess what? He calls you and I friends. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're trusting in him, as, as your Savior and following him as Lord, as broken and, and, and flawed as we are, he calls you friend. And I know s- some of you are thinking, but, but I've let him down so much. How could he call me friend? Think of his 12. On the night that he needed them more than any, anything, one betrays him, one denies him, and they all scatter. The night he needed them the most, he still called them friends. He knew what was going to happen. He knew. He told Peter what was going to happen. He knew Judas was going to betray him, but he called them friends. Man, that's amazing. So our connection vertically with Jesus, the closer you and I walk with him, the better friend we will be horizontally to others. The more commitment, the more support, the more encouragement, the more depth we will have in all of our key friendships. It says in uh, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We sharpen each other, right? We, you're close. When you strike iron together, it sparks, it shapes. You become like who you hang out with. Whoever you hang out with the most, whoever you spend the most time with is influencing your behavior, your character, your thoughts, etc. 
And so do we ha- have to look at our, our lives and say, do, our, do my friends, are they pursuing the life of faith in, in a disciple of Jesus? Now, we need friends that don't walk with Jesus. I'm not saying that. That's, please don't go down that trail. But if you don't have friends that are sharpening you, then you're going to get dull. You're going to be dull towards the Lord. So we need that continually sharpening. That's why it's so important to be in a home group. We stress being part of community, being around other believers, as imperfect as we all are. You know, the Bible doesn't say that we're supposed to like everyone. We're to love everyone. And so when you get together in a group and you, you pray for one another, you support one another, you encourage one another, that's exactly what Brian read out of Acts chapter 2 that was going on. That's the kind of church God wants us to be. We need that. If you're not in a home group or you don't have community with other believers, let us help you. We will help you. That's what we're here for. It's the importance of, of meeting together beyond Sunday. Why we do cookouts, why we do golf, why we do all the things that we do is to build relationships and take those steps towards that. It says in the book of Hebrews that we're to not forsake the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And let's be honest, in our culture, people are in the habit of not meeting together with other believers. And I'm not just talking about coming to church on Sunday morning or a church service, but it's the relationships. It's, it's the outside of Sunday morning. Sunday morning's awesome, but there's so much more to your week. And so an hour a week versus having friends that will help influence you. That's so important. So I'll bring this to a close here. Jonathan was an amazing friend to David. He was an amazing friend. It's more about Jonathan than it is David. David was the recipient of David was the recipient of Jonathan's friendship, his commitment, his support, his encouragement, his depth in encouraging him in the Lord. So I would ask a couple questions just to reflect on are your friendships being built on these building blocks? Are you pursuing to be these building blocks to somebody else, giving them commitment, support, encouragement, pursuing depth? Are your friends that you hang out with drawing you closer to Jesus or more distant from Jesus? That's an important question. And as I was praying about this, I feel like the Lord put something directly on my heart, that there's some folks in this room possibly that as you've been hearing this message about friendship, it's pushing a bruise on your heart because you're lonely. You're lonely and you're, you're like, I wish I could have friends. I wish I could have somebody to be close to. And I would tell you this, and not trying to be cliche, First of all, press in to Jesus to be the best friend all of us will ever have for all eternity. He has that capacity. I don't have the capacity to be everybody's best friend. You don't have the capacity to be everybody's best friend. He does. He does. Turn to him. But th- those that, that have felt that, that sting of, I don't really feel like I have any, any good friends, I want to sincerely say this to you. How can we help? How can this church help you? How can this church family help you? We want 
to help you connect in relationships. But the, there has to be some initiation on your part as well. So if you want to know more about getting in a home group or, or connecting or, or whatever, stop by the, the table. Ask me. Ask any of our leaders. I want, I want to connect. I think that's super important. Those of us in this room that are not feeling that sting, my challenge to you is be a friend to somebody who needs a friend. Let's don't ever let anybody walk in this building without being said hi to, trying to say hello to somebody because we're in this season or, or size of a church where sometimes everybody thinks, you know, since it's a little smaller, everybody knows everybody. That is not true. Yeah, we're, we're big enough to where people can kind of be anonymous. But that's not God's will for any of us. He wants us to be connected in friendships. So let's be the most loving, caring people through the power of Jesus that we can be. We stand with me and we'll pray. And Lord, I know in this room, there are varying degrees of temperaments and needs for friendships. And, and um, some people don't have a great capacity for friendships, and some do. And you made us that way. That's, that's neither right nor wrong. But I know, Lord, you did create us for friendship with you and with one another. And I pray for those in this room that are lonely and don't feel like they have any close friends, God, I pray for you to help them to initiate and be the friend to somebody that they need themselves. And I pray also just as a church family, we can come alongside one another in this. God, I pray for our marriages, that our marriages in this church would be built on true friendship, God, true companionship. God, I pray for our young people in this room to help one another grow in the Lord, to help one another pursue you more than any other thing in life. God, I pray for the folks in this room that are single, that, Lord, you would touch their hearts this morning, that first and foremost, you are their best friend. God, as, as they either wait for you to bring somebody into their life or, or whether they don't care whether that happens or not, let them have solid, solid friendships. Thank you, Jesus, for being the best friend we could ever have. You, you're amazing, and we love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name.